0: Good morning and welcome to West Seattle Christian Church. If you're new, welcome, if not, welcome back. We are nearing the end of our Unqualified series. And last week we talked about Peter and kind of did a broad overview. So if you haven't listened to that, love for you to jump back on our on our blog, on our website and, and check that out. Uh, in that overview, we basically said that you're gonna get discipled by someone or something um, whether you're being intentional about that or not, and more often than not, we aren't being intentional about it. And so we talked a lot about habits um, and practices that shape uh, our intent, what we do intentionally. And we looked at the life of Peter in a kind of a broad overview, bird's eye view kind of lens. Um, basically, I asked you to to consider a, a really important question, which is to be: What are you attentive to? To be attentive to what you love because what you love is going to shape what you desire and then that's going to shape how your life ends up. And so we said that misdirected love leads to misdirected lives. And so we want to pay attention to that. This week we're going to take more, we're going to kind of zero in and focus on one story that I think a lot of people are really familiar with when it comes to Peter um, and his relationship with Jesus. And so I want to pick up where we left off last week, talking about Peter in that little moment after uh, jesus rises from the dead and when he ascends into heaven in between those two things there's this little encounter between jesus and peter and it's in matthew chapter 26 um, at the last supper before jesus is sent to trial and before he died we can read this little conversation and it went kind of like this jesus says i'm gonna have to suffer and die and in verse 31 He says, not only am I gonna suffer and die, but you are all gonna scatter and you're all gonna disown me. And all the disciples are like, never, no way. And Peter was like, even if I die with you, I will never disown you. But guess what happens if you fast forward and keep reading in verses 69 through 74, Peter disowns Jesus. Not only once, not twice, but three times, And people are like, hey, aren't you one of of the guys that was with Jesus? And he's like, no, not me. And then they're like, no, you talk like him. You act like him. He's like, no, it's not me. And he's getting more and more angry. By the third time somebody asks him if he was one of Jesus' followers, he is raining down curses on the people who are accusing him of knowing Jesus. So, and as Jesus predicted, Peter hears a cock crow before he denies knowing Jesus the third time. So. What I want to examine here today is how Peter would have felt. Could you imagine what Peter would have been feeling like doing what he said he never would do? And, he, and, and the text says that he went away and wept bitterly after that cock crow because he knew that what Jesus said would come true did come true. Had He had, he had been with Jesus for over three years, He must have felt so much failure, so much doubt, so much shame in that moment. When the pressure came, he failed Jesus. And in that culture, which was a shame culture, it would have been even worse because what he did would have been almost unforgivable to deny Jesus, especially in the way that he did it. And so when Jesus came back to life, let's imagine how he felt then, probably one part excited and one part where he is just totally distraught. He is despairing inside, caving in. What does this mean for me is what he's thinking. He's like joyous at one, at one, at one, on, in one way of thinking about it. And in another way, he's like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen to me? I denied him. This conflicting thing in Peter where he's happy. And also, what does this mean for me? So in this turmoil, I love what Peter does because I think we do this kind of thing as well. And I want to fast forward in the story and jump from Matthew over to John 21. So we can flip over to John 21, hit pause if you need to. He picks up his nets after Jesus is gone and, and it seems like he's not coming back. Um, he says to the guys, you know what? I'm, you know what, guys? I don't know what to do with myself. I'm just going to go fishing. I'm going to go out on the lake. I'm going to go fishing. And he goes back to his old way of life. And I love that because have you have you had an experience like that before where you've you've messed up, it's your fault, and it's almost like you self-sabotage. So he goes fishing, he, he goes back to what he knows how to do, and he doesn't catch anything all night. And in the morning, there's this guy standing on the shore, and he tells them, he yells out to them, he says, Hey, throw your nets on the other side of the boat. Of course, they do, and they catch a lot of fish, and then John kind of wakes up from this dreamy haze and he's like says to the other disciples uh guys that's jesus that's jesus over there and it says that when peter hears that he basically he jumps out of the boat and it literally says they're a 100 yards from shore so a football field from shore and he like michael phelps is it <clears throat> as fast as he can, Olympic record time, I'm sure. And when he gets there, Jesus has some bread ready. He's got a fire, he's got a fire going on the beach and he's cooking some fish. And he says to them, one of the best verses in the Bible, John 21:12. he says, come have breakfast. I just love that. One of my favorite passages. And Peter, you think about this, he's just, he's got his, I don't know if he's got his clothes on or what. He, how he just dove in and started swimming. He must've been freezing. He's sitting there on the beach, and after this swim, and he's trying to huddle by the fire and be with Jesus. And is he talking to him? Is he just staring at him? What is he doing? He's trying to warm up while he's eating. And let's listen in on the conversation at that point. John 21, verses 15 through 19. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. So Peter is sitting there by this fire and he's He's feeling the warmth, and he's hearing the crackle of the flames, and the heat is is warming him up. And I wonder if Peter was thinking about the last time he was around a fire near Jesus. The last time he was sitting and breaking bread with Jesus was when Jesus told him that Peter would deny him. And they had this conversation this time. Do you love me, Peter? Yes, Lord. You know I do. Do you love me? Yes. Do you love me? How many times was Peter asked? Right? Three times. Three times. And how many times did he deny Jesus? Three times. I think in this passage, I wonder if each time Jesus asked him if he loved him, I wonder if Peter was remembering each time that he had denied Jesus. It's like Jesus is asking Peter to relive this moment of denial. He wants him to relive it. And I think what Jesus is allowing Peter to do is he's allowing him to engage with his sin. It's not like it's not like Jesus is an enemy and he's digging the knife into Peter's back. It's more like Jesus is a surgeon and he's trying to heal Peter and he wants to bring wholeness and healing and redemption. And so he has to cut some things out. There's a little bit of pain in there. Peter, who was so desperate for affirmation and good and good thoughts and goodwill of all the crowd before Jesus's death from those around him, it feels like Jesus is asking him, To really embrace his weakness to embrace his faults to embrace the bad things in his life and deal with them to think about his weaknesses to think about his failure to think about his sin and the thing about this for us you guys is it's hard to think about this as well for us to think about those things that jesus asked peter to think about when he's kind of reinstating him i think that jesus wants us to be real about our failures, real about our shortcomings, real about our weaknesses, and real about the sin in our lives, our sins. He wants us to be really real about those things. And sometimes in church we like to dumb down our sin and our failures and our shortcomings because we love grace. And why wouldn't we love grace? We love talking about grace because grace is the most amazing thing ever. It is so important and you you just love it but on the other hand you cannot actually understand grace and what grace is you you if you don't acknowledge how much you actually need jesus how can he even get to what this wonderful grace is in your life i mean if you don't acknowledge that you need grace then you you it by understanding your sin like how are you going to be able to do that even jesus says Those who've been forgiven much love much. I think Jesus is showing us something in this encounter with Peter that's really important, actually to engage uh, with you. He wants to engage with you, with your sin, like that surgeon helping you deal with whatever it is and extract it from your life. He wants to engage your pride. He wants to engage with your ego. He does not want you, like so many of us have learned in our family units, our families of origin, He doesn't want you to look at the conflict and the bad in life and then try to sweep it under the rug. He wants you to stare it in the face and with him figure out how to eradicate it, how to deal with it so that you can move on into a wonderful way where you're living in grace and you're able to do amazing things partnering with Jesus. You can't pretend that these things aren't there in your life and then say, well, grace is so amazing. You, You can try to, but you won't fully understand it you have to face them. You have to face who you truly are. All of us, listen, all of us are people who will sin. We will mess up. We need Jesus's grace. But once you acknowledge it, allow Jesus um, to, to dip into your failures. Allow him to kind of dip in to your mistakes, to dip into those things that you think disqualify you. And to take them and dip them in his grace, because he will do that. Acknowledge these disqualifications so that you can actually let Jesus help you, work in you, and then re-qualify you and qualify you to do the work he wants you to do. And in doing that, you become more like Jesus, and you can celebrate his grace because it's amazing. In this exchange with Peter and Jesus, Peter is reminded of how messed up. And not just how he messed up, but how messed up he is, like all of us are. But did you notice that each time Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? Peter says yes. And what does Jesus say right afterwards? He says, feed my sheep. Basically, what's going on there is with each reminder of what Peter had done and how he had messed up, Jesus is reminding Peter of who he is is who he really is feed my sheep because i restore you you still have a purpose you still have a calling you are qualified all that stuff you said you do before i gave my life for you peter i can you i can still restore you to do all that stuff to live that life that you said you would live with me i can restore you to that so that you can live that out And I think for many of us, God is asking us to face our sin, to face our shortcomings and our failures and our mistakes and our doubts. Face the darkness within yourself and come to God. Come back to him for forgiveness. Not because he wants to shame you. He's not going to stab you in the back and say, ha ha ha. But because he wants to heal you. I know how many, I know how many of you feel shame. I've felt an enormous amount of shame in my life. Like you've messed up too much. We all feel this. Uh, but that is not the heart of God, that we should feel that shame and just wallow in it and despair. That's not the heart of Jesus. Scripture makes it really clear. That is not the heart of what Jesus wants his church to be about, about blaming and shaming and telling people they're wrong. Yeah, we need to face our sins, but the church should not be showing that in people's faces. Jesus, Jesus, when he met people, he showed them his love and... He was aware of their weaknesses and the darkness within. And he basically said, you can do better than that. You can do better than that. You can be You can be like me. And so he wants us to face our sins. And we can do that in the presence of a loving and forgiving and faithful God, because that is how you experience grace. That's how you experience forgiveness. That is how you experience mercy. And I think Peter got this deeply. He faced his sin and after that, he never denied Jesus again. He may have had his doubts, he may have made mistakes, but ultimately he ends up going to his death and being crucified in a gruesome way because he understood how much he'd been given. He understood how much he'd been forgiven. He understood how much grace had been given to him. He understood Jesus's love and he loved Jesus in return. So I would say this, God is inviting you to come to him so you can hear as Peter did that God is still going to complete a good work in you. He is still going to do that no matter how big you've messed up. Come to him with it. Don't hide it. He's a loving father whose arms are open wide for you. I love how Tim Keller says this. He says, The biggest failure plunged into the grace of Jesus Christ will make you the greatest leader. This is what it means to go from unqualified to qualify, and we see this in Peter, your mistakes do not discount you. Let me say that again, so you make it, really let it sink in, okay? Your mistakes do not discount you. Yeah, they're a part of your story, they become a part of your story, and God can use that and restore it and make you a great leader, make you a great follower of him. Don't run from your weaknesses and your mistakes. I just want to reflect on a few implications uh, here one is the importance of habits we talked about that last week how you can be like jesus become like him and do the things that jesus did what is god asking you to do differently or to do more of or to do less of that helps you be more like him so what's he asking you to do differently what's he asking you to do more of what's he asking you to do less of you need to understand that you can receive the holy spirit and that if you've been baptized and call yourself a follower of jesus and you are trying to follow him know that the holy spirit is there his presence is here his spirit is with you he and he wants to give you more of himself to help you understand and to navigate that question of what does he want you to do different what does he want you to do more of and what does he want you to do less of the last thing the last implication is this and it's a really simple one be open to God about your sin. Be open to him about it. Tell him what you've done. Tell him what you're struggling with. Show him the darkness within. He can see it anyway. Open yourself up to him about your weaknesses. And when you do that, receive God's grace. Receive it. God's power is made perfect in our weaknesses.